Welcome to the MD Fantasy Podcast. I am Mike Dino. Dan Coster is out today. Reasons unknown. It's just sketchy Dan shit. Not really sure what he's up to today. Decided to change it up today. Today I will be interviewing Roto Grinders Derek Cardi. I slid in Derek's DMs way back in, I believe it was like February, March, right before baseball season. Asked him to come on my WABC radio show when I was co-hosting with Sid Rosenberg on Sundays. Uh, you want to talk about a one and done, I was kicked off that show for some straight up bullshit. But you know what they say, man. We're on the Cincinnati, and I've been on Cincinnati. I actually went to Cincinnati, matter of fact, two weeks ago for a wedding. If you've been to Cincinnati, the, I don't know, what are they called? Cincinnatians? Whatever, Ohioans? Whatever the fuck they're called. They rave about this place called Skyline. Skyline, right? It's a hot dog place. I went there Sunday morning. Place was packed out the ass. They have hot dogs. They have this spaghetti concoction with spaghetti with a boatload of cheese and chili. And he, and these guys go crazy over it. So I got it, and it was the worst food I've ever had in my life. Maybe that's a little facetious. It was goddamn awful. I'll never eat that place ever again. I did also have Cane's, Cane's chicken fingers. That was phenomenal. I'm just killing time right now, waiting for Derek to call me. And actually, speaking of, Derek's calling me right now. And now joining me on the line is Derek Cardi from The Blitz and The Bat. You can find him on ESPN Fantasy. You can find him on Roto Grinders. Derek, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. Derek, last time we spoke was way back in March... Back when times were simple about the fantasy baseball season. Uh, just to give you an update, you know, I followed I followed the bat, and here I am, fighting to go for the final. So, it works. Very simple. Um, I'm very happy to hear you're doing well. Yeah, the one player that really, really helped me out that you recommended drafting, Joey Votto. Yeah, Votto has had an incredible year. I, uh, I don't understand why people didn't like him. He's, he's old and boring and was completely forgotten, and people made a big mistake by doing that. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's had an incredible career, and I think people thought he was done, and he was far from done. Yeah, and it's funny, because Votto started off real slow. I believe I I didn't draft him, somebody else stole him from me that also listened to that interview with you, and then, you know, Votto started off slow, dropped him, I picked him up. Uh, fought through some of the aches and pains, and then he carried me to the playoffs. Yeah, if anyone bailed on him early, they uh, they missed out. You know, the, the injury at the start of the year didn't help things, but he's been he's been incredible. So let's start. You know, we'll go in order here by position. We'll start with quarterback. Do you have a strategy when drafting quarterbacks this year? Are you a guy that's maybe more prone to taking a Mahomes or an Allen in the early rounds, or are you wait on the position and you know grab a grab a guy late? Yeah, I think waiting a little bit is the way to go. Like, I don't even think Mahomes should be the first quarterback drafted, so I'm I'm definitely not not paying for a guy like that. If I'm going to take like a higher end quarterback, I think Lamar Jackson is the guy to take. I think you can make a real case that he's should be the QB one. 
um, nobody has his rushing, his rushing floor or his rushing upside. And so if I'm taking a high end quarterback, it's going to be Jackson. Otherwise I'm going to wait a little bit and I'll take a guy like, uh, like a Tom Brady or Jalen hurts is the guy. If I'm, if I'm waiting longer, I think is really the guy to, to target because he has legit QB one upside. You know, he is a guy who is going to score a bunch of points with his legs and I think people are uh, underestimating, you know, how many fantasy points this guy can put up. Uh, maybe they're scared that they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson or, or who knows. But uh, if Hertz is the starter all year, he's he's going to be really good. So I have to uh, at least follow up with some of your remarks. You said you have Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes. That'll definitely raise some eyebrows. I'm assuming it's solely because of the rushing upside. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. When When you project it out and you calculate the the fantasy points i think jackson's gonna get more of them nothing not to take anything away from mahomes like he's incredible you know in a real world sense mahomes is is easily the best quarterback certainly in terms of throwing the ball but jackson jackson does way more with his legs i mean i think you can make a case even for um uh, for josh allen or kyler murray over over mahomes you know i think it's close but I certainly don't think Mahomes is like the slam dunk number one quarterback this year. That's definitely against the consensus. Every single rankings I've seen, really outside of yours, have Mahomes at one. If you look at the rushing stats from both of the players of 2019, Lamar Jackson, 67 yards per game, seven touchdowns. Mahomes, 20 yards per game, two touchdowns. That's right there, five points just based on the yards that Mahomes is going to have to make up on Jackson. That doesn't even count you know, the touchdowns either. So, you know, Mahomes is really going to have to shatter, shatter Jackson in the throwing department. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I see it. And he can certainly do that, but I'm not paying for it. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Mahomes really right now is, seems to be, depending on how serious your league is, I drafted a league on Wednesday, Mahomes went round one, which is absurd. Typically, if you're playing in what I see more competitive leagues, Mahomes goes around round three or four, but Lamar's going like round six, round seven. So I agree with you. Lamar's definitely the value there. Not sure if I'm ready to put him over Mahomes, but I see the logic. I mean, even if you don't have him over Mahomes, which I can certainly see the case for Mahomes over him. But when you consider what you have to pay for each of them, like I'll easily just wait for Jackson. Mm-hmm, agreed. And then I also want to follow up with your uh, Jalen Hurts comments. I like Hurts too. My only problem with Hurts is we're going based off a very small sample size. Obviously, he just played four games last year. When he played, he was terrific. Averaged 69 yards per game on the ground and 11 and a half attempts per game. That would set the NFL record. I don't think Hurts is nearly as athletic as Lamar Jackson, and I have major concerns with his passing numbers. He only completed 55% of the passes. Then we saw the Eagles trade for Gardner Minshew about two weeks ago. Does Jalen Hurts have job security? If you draft Hurts, are you drafting another quarterback shortly after for insurance policies, or do you really not have those concerns with him? I think there's definitely a little bit of job security concern. Um, You know, he feels like a higher variance type of play, a guy who has major upside, but also considerable downside if he does get benched. So, yeah, if you want to take a, a backup behind him, um, you know, a little bit of insurance, I'm fine with that. But, uh, you know, he, he could legitimately be a league winner, and you wouldn't have to expend high draft capital on a quarterback. No, he's going round 10. If he plays for 16 games, 
he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. It's going to be almost impossible with his rushing upside for him not to be there. I'm just slightly concerned with the job security. Let's move along here to running backs. Which running back being drafted in the first two rounds has the best chance to bust? I mean, there's a few that I'm lower on than other people, but Nick Chubb is the guy that Ooh. I really don't see myself drafting in any um, in, in any any leagues, especially if we're talking about PPR formats. Like, I get that, that Nick Chubb is like, you know, a quote-unquote good rusher or whatever, but he's just not involved in the pass game. I think people are assuming that maybe he'll be more involved this year, but, I mean, he hasn't been yet. Kareem Hunt is still there. And it's not even like he's getting, like, a huge majority of the groundwork. You know, Kareem Hunt is still there, is still going to get a bunch of the groundwork. So uh, I just don't see Nick Chubb as as being, um, you know, worthy of where he's being drafted. Um, you know, maybe he's not going to outright bust, um, but he is a guy who's not going to be involved in the pass game, is going to be touchdown dependent. Um, I just don't. I just don't have a lot of interest in Chubb. He's going to have to be super efficient. He, he had 100 total yards per game, and that was on 5.6 yards per carry. I mean, you have to expect that number to probably go down. Yeah, that's coming down. He only yeah. caught 1.3 balls per game. He's going to have to put up Derrick Henry numbers to be a top 7 back. I mean, we saw Henry run for 2,000 yards last year, and he still wasn't a top 3 back. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And the difference being that Derrick Henry was getting you know, 80 to 90% of the carries, and Nick Chubb is going to get, you know, 60 to 70% maybe. Yeah, I agree with you. I could see it. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I'm slightly more inclined to take Chubb and a half point per reception lead just because he seems safe. Even if he doesn't have that top five upside, he seems like he'll be anywhere from that 10 to 15 range. Who are some guys that you might be drafting over Nick Chubb that the consensus isn't? I mean, in that range, you know, I'll, I'll take anyone who's going to catch passes for the most part. But, uh, I mean, in terms of, like, running backs um, that I just think are good values throughout the draft, Mike Davis is a guy that, that I'm, I'm gravitating towards a lot uh, for no other reason than because, you know, he's kind of the only running back there. Like, he should get a good amount of volume here. You know, they just released uh, Allison. They, they signed Wayne Gallman, I guess, who's going to be the backup now. But Mike Davis should be kind of a workhorse back here. He's a guy who we saw with Carolina last year. Like, he can be involved in the pass game. He can catch passes. Um, he's going to get the bulk of the carries on the ground. We don't know exactly what, uh, what Art Smith is going to be doing with uh, uh, play calling and whatnot, but he was very run-heavy with Tennessee. Um, they've traded away Julio Jones. So if this winds up being a team that slants, you know, run-heavy, this is a guy who – could wind up with a lot of volume and uh, is just going way too late for a guy with his profile. It's actually laughable how late he's going. He's still on eighty on ESPN ADP around like around five, around six pick. He's the workhorse running back on an offense that's pretty damn good. You actually you actually kind of answered my follow up question. Atlanta obviously signed Wayne Gallman yesterday. Any concerns that Gallman could eat into Davis's workload? I mean, he certainly could, but. You know, they they just signed him off the scrap heap. You know, you'd have to think that this is Davis's job and Gallman's going to be, you know, a, a backup. It's not like I'm expecting Davis to go out and get, you know, 90% of the carries, but if he's even getting, you know, 65 or 70% of the carries, 10% of the targets, um, you have a guy who's just going way too late. 
Mm-hmm. Any other running backs maybe later in the draft that you're targeting? Uh, Damien Harris, I think, is uh, is really interesting, um, especially now that you know Cam Newton is is released. You know, teams tend to run the ball a lot more uh, with rookie quarterbacks than they would otherwise, and so that's going to play into you know the Patriots running back. Um, you know that that running back room has thinned out a little bit over the course of the off season, and. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a, a very appealing option here for a team that should lean, you know, pretty run heavy and, and is kind of removing some of those, you know, Cam Newton scrambles, um, you know, as well. So this is, a, this is a team that, you know, I think could be running the ball a good amount. And Harris looks like like the lead back there. If you look at his counting numbers last year, 70 yards per game, five yards per carry. His upside was changed because he's not going to catch many balls and he only had two touchdowns. But you take away Cam's 12 rushing touchdowns and 31 carries inside the 10. Harris has got a good chance to score double-digit touchdowns. Let's move over to receiver. Which receiver not ranked in the top 10 has the best chance to finish as the wide receiver one? Yeah, it depends a little bit on where you're looking. Um, This guy I usually see somewhere around like 10 to 12. Uh, But Terry McLaurin is the guy that I think has, has wide receiver one upside and is going around that range. Uh, he's just really, really good, um, especially if you throw out what he did from week 12 on last year when he was dealing with, uh, it sounded like, two high ankle sprains. If you throw that out, like he's been one of the most efficient wide receivers in football since his rookie year, and there's just there's just so much to like about him and this offense. Like last year, they got rid of Jay Gruden, they brought in... Um, they brought in a new system, and they were throwing the ball more. They were uh, playing at a faster pace, and they were doing that with with like <laughs> like really bad quarterback play. Um, this year, they went out. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have a legitimate NFL quarterback. Um, I know some people, you know, they they don't really think much of Fitz, but he's underrated in his own right. He's a legitimately good NFL quarterback, and uh, I think the the sky is really the limit for McLaurin this year. McLaurin was a wide receiver too last year, playing with Alex Smith on one leg and Dwayne Haskins, who is practically out of the league at this point. So the upside's definitely there. Moving along here, who do you think is the most overvalued and undervalued wide receivers this year? Uh, CeeDee Lamb is a guy that I think is is potentially overvalued. He's a guy where people are, are really paying for the ceiling as opposed to what the most likely outcome is going to be here. This is still, I mean, this is more or less the same Dallas team, you know, we saw last year, obviously, just with, with Dak Prescott, you know, potentially healthy for the whole season. Um, but they have a lot of mouths to feed here. Like, Amari Cooper was the clear wide receiver one last year. CeeDee Lamb was was the two. Like, he, he was getting 18% of the targets, and he's being drafted as, like, way, way more than that. Like, people are, I guess, just kind of assuming that Lamb is going to become the, the wide receiver one this year for them and I don't think that's necessarily the case like Michael Gallup is still very much in play like he was getting a good amount of the targets last year Ezekiel Elliott was very involved in the past game you know throughout the the preseason they've been talking about moving these wide receivers around and playing different spots and like I just don't see um CeeDee Lamb in a in a mean scenario uh establishing himself as like the clear one here and so I just think he's being overdrafted CeeDee Lamb pretty much in all formats is going third round in fantasy drafts. And at this point, he's pretty much going over Amari Cooper in every league that I've seen. You're a Cooper over Lamb guy? 
I'm not necessarily like going out of my way to get Cooper, but I'm not paying what it takes to get Lamb um, on the chance that he hits hits a ceiling. You know, I I don't want to pay for a guy's ceiling. I want to I want to get value. Mm-hmm. And a fun fact: Vegas has C.D. Lamb's over under at a thousand yards. Seems pretty low to me. Yeah, for a guy going that high, it certainly does. Do you have any undervalued wide receivers you're targeting? Uh, yeah, I think Robbie Anderson and Tyler Lockett are, are both really interesting. Uh, Tyro Williams in a deeper league, but, but Robbie Anderson in particular, it's kind of the reverse CD lamb where last year, Robbie Anderson was the clear wide receiver one. You know, he was getting like 27% of the targets, which is among the highest of any receiver in football. DJ Moore was more like 22, 23%. Um, and now everyone, uh, DJ Moore is going higher in drafts. People are expecting that to to flip um and i get that like dj moore is like the more the more exciting player the younger player the guy that people are you know expecting big things from but uh like they're they're making assumptions about what's going to happen and kind of ignoring what has actually happened so maybe more you know jumps ahead of robbie but uh i'm not ready to uh you know to concede that yet you know especially when you you can pay you can pay a little bit less and get Robbie, who was the clear one last year. Um, I think the situation for the team in general this year is is really good. They get to play five road games in domes, which is which is really nice. Uh, it's tied for the most in football, along with the Seahawks. And so, uh, so I think Robbie's really interesting, and and for similar reasons, I think Tyler Lockett is interesting. You know, um, you know, lots of road games in domes, and uh, he out targeted DK Metcalf throughout the entire year last year, and. Uh, and, you know, Metcalf is going higher in drafts. But, you know, it looks really interesting for Seattle this year. They're going to be playing at a faster pace, it looks like. You know, more more quick routes, getting guys in um, open in space. So I think Lockett's really interesting. It's music to my ears. Both of those players I'm targeting. I have one concern with Robbie Anderson, and it's the fact that Christian McCaffrey's back, who's going to get, you have to think, at least 125 targets. And now we keep hearing about the second-round rookie out of LSU, Terrace Marshall, that seems to be a riser in all drafts now. If McCaffrey's getting those targets and Marshall starts to eat into Moore and Anderson's workload, is there enough targets to go around from a question mark Sam Darnold to bring back Robbie Anderson's value? Yeah, I think there's enough targets to go around. Last year, Mike Davis was getting, you know, 80% of of what McCaffrey would have gotten anyway. And uh, so, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of concern there. Like, yeah, maybe there's going to be a little a little bit more mouths to feed. The new quarterback throws a question mark into things. Uh, but he has played with Robbie Anderson before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there's legitimate reason to think that Darnold is going to be better than we've seen him to this point because uh, playing under Adam Gase does no favors to anybody. Totally agree. Let's move over to tight end now. Tight end seems like, yet again, very shallow. Now you have some injuries. Obviously, Irv Smith has went down. Adam Troutman has went down. Those were two players that I liked. Another guy, Anthony Ferkser, was a guy that I was targeting, but now it seems as if he might not even have a stranglehold on the starting position. Do you have a strategy when going for tight ends? Are you targeting that top six, or what are you doing with those guys? Yeah, I think ideally I would get somebody in that top six or the top four, um, even more preferably. I don't love any of the low end guys. Like if, if you're going to do it, you know, maybe draft a couple of them, you know, hope one of them, uh, you know, kind of emerges in the first couple weeks, you know, with, with a bigger role in the offense than we expected or something like that. But if I can get um, a higher end guy, 
that's uh, that that would be my preference. And you said top four, and based on you know me following the blitz, I know that that number four guy's T.J. Hawkinson. You're going with T.J. over Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I guess that that's not a, a consensus thing, but yeah, I think Hawkinson's the the number four. And, and he's the guy that I would ideally wind up with. I just think he's kind of the sweet spot of, of value and, and raw points. Mostly just because, like, their, their wide receiver core is, is such a mess. It's so, so uh, like, we don't know who's really going to be the wide receiver one there, who's going to be the wide receiver two. Like, Hawkinson's the guy that is basically going to be the de facto wide receiver one, it seems like. You know he's going to be the guy getting the most targets, and and they play in a dome, which is uh, you know, which is really good. They've gotten rid of Matt Patricia, which can only be a good thing. And so I think there's a there's a, a lot of upside for Hawkinson, um, both in terms of targets, in terms of efficiency, and and I like where he's uh, I like where he's being drafted. Yeah, I mentioned this in my bull predictions podcast yesterday that I think Hawkinson outperforms George Kittle. I mean, when you just compare the situations, the Lions have 64% of their targets vacated. Jared Goff loves to dump the ball off. We saw last year Robert Woods and Cooper Cup have eight dots around seven. I think that favors TJ Hawkinson, who's going to be getting a lot of routes underneath. Not much needs to go right for Hawkinson to bring back top three value. Practically, he just needs to be healthy, and Jared Goff has to be competent. I like Hawkinson. It seems like almost too easy. And not much needs to go right, yet Hawkinson's still the sixth tight end coming off the board, and you could get him in, like, round six. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I, I could make the case as well that Hawkinson is better than Kittle. Like, you can you can make the case that he should be the third tight end being drafted, and you can get him as the sixth. So he seems like the guy that I would be, I'd be going into drafts hoping to get. Yeah, I, I like Kittle. I love him as a player. I love him as a talent. But if Trey Lance at all takes that job... You know, he's taking some red zone touches and carries away. They have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. We know they like to run the ball. I mean, more needs to go right for George Kittle than and then TJ Hawkinson at this point. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, Trey Lance is going to be such an improvement on, on Garoppolo, and so that's got to help Kittle. But that's not really necessarily true. Like, rookie quarterbacks are generally their first year among the worst the worst quarterbacks in the league, among the least efficient, and teams tend to run the ball more with them. And this is a guy who's going to be doing a good amount of scrambling, taking away passing volume. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's crowded now. You have Ayuk and you have Samuel in the mix for, for high-end targets. And so uh, I'm, I'm not big on Kittle. I, I would much prefer getting, um, if I am taking one of those like top three, I'd much rather take Kelsey or Waller. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not even Darren Waller has been somebody that I, I keep drafting at the back end of round two. I think he's like right in the Travis Kelsey tier, and you're getting him around later. All right, Jack, well, I really appreciate you having you on. You're always very insightful, very knowledgeable. Where can the listeners find your content? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek Hardy. You can find my projection system, The Blitz, at Roto Grinders for DFS purposes and at EV Analytics for sports betting purposes. Perfect. I'll be definitely purchasing The Blitz this season. I'll be playing a lot of FanDuel, so looking forward to uh, at least attempting to win money. But, Derek, appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can get you on again. Yeah, thanks so much. Anytime.
He 